0: This is The Shift Podcast.
1: Hey, thanks for checking out The Shift Weekend Podcast with John Jang. On this episode, we ask the question, what is the soundtrack to your life? And what role does music play in mental development in students? Then we chat with Danilo Santiago, an NHL superfan who lives in, get this, Brazil. Another edition of the Big Jang Theory talking about the NHL's decision to go back to ESPN. Are you OKs? Including a question regarding a new color. And finally, another edition of Learning Portuguese with Uncle Leo. All right, uh, let's connect with our guest now. He is Dr. Peter Gazuisis from the University of British Columbia. He is a professor in the Department of Curriculum and Pedagogy at UBC. He, in fact, did his M.A. and Ph.D. in music at Templeton University and was the music director of WRTI Jazz 90. And with his leadership, that became the top jazz station in all of North America. Dr. Gazuisis joins us now here on The Shift. Doctor, thank you so much so much for giving us some time
2: here tonight. Yes. Hi. Good evening. I went to Temple University in Philadelphia. Thank you.
1: Oh, just wonderful that uh, we've got somebody who's got such great experiences with music, with radio, and now this study that you were involved with. Before we go any further, sure. Uh, what was that like for you working as music director? I've been in radio for about eight years now. Uh, I've never been a music director. I know it's not uh, an easy job, but considering it was your passion, I'm sure it was kind of like never going to work at all. It was exactly the things that you were passionate about.
2: Well, I'd be in one building studying music and I'd walk across the street in the School of Communications and right in the radio station. So it was for me back and forth all day. And uh, you're right. It was it was a passion and it was a joy and it never felt like I was working. It was always felt like I was just doing what I was living and breathing and enjoying and uh, consuming all day, my favorite thing, music.
1: I love that, and now that has brought you here uh, as a guest on the shift. And I do appreciate you giving us some time here tonight. And the reason we're connecting with you, Doctor, is because of a study that you were a part of at UBC with Scott uh, Emerson and Martin Gunn. And the headline of this study reads: "A population level analysis of associations between school music participation and academic achievement." So, explain to us what you found with this particular study, because. That headline is extremely interesting.
2: Yes. Well, in four consecutive years in groups of over 60,000 students, we found that the more that secondary school students engage in instrumental music in school, the better their grades were in math, science, and English. Moreover, Hmm. their music grades predict school grades and provincial exam grades in grade 10 English, math and science, and even in grade 12 English. So this, for us, was mind-boggling. We had suspected this based on a study we did back in 2007, but we didn't have the, the same quality of data sets uh, from the entire province of British Columbia, all the students that attended secondary school, uh, over these uh, four groups, uh, K through 12. So we were able to track grades, and we were also able to do some very important things. For example, we were able to control prior learning in math and english through looking at the grade four and grade seven foundation skills assessment scores so for people who were saying oh well the reason why kids did better did well in math and did well in english is because they already did well they were doing well in grade four and in grade seven Mm. that was not the case we were able to control for those grades so all the effects that we see And all that we can see that music confers in this context in school music, especially instrumental music, is because of the experience they have, not just in making music, but the more music they engage with in school. So that is kids who not only did band, but they also did jazz band, they did orchestra, some kids taking uh, piano uh, outside of school and having conservatory lessons counting toward their high school grades. Uh, all of this contributed to our findings. So, high school, and not only that, we found that high school instrumental music students do a full grade level better wow. than their non-music peers. I mean, and this is yeah. Go ahead. Sorry,
1: oh, I'm so sorry, doctor. I, I mean, that is not insignificant. I mean, that is. That is a great revelation to know because, you know, if young parents are listening to this program right now and they're deciding, well, you know, for example, if our family only has so much of a budget where we have to decide, do I want to enroll my my child in in sports and, and, and things of that nature or in music? Well, maybe this is one argument as to why music should be that preferred route.
2: Well, yes, and, and not only that, but, you know, for, for decades, people have been saying, well, you know, uh, my, my son or daughter have, have been taking BAND um, in uh, grade 6, 7, and uh, we let them continue in grade 8, but they had to get serious about school. And so we had them take more math and, and do more science in secondary school because that was more important. But what we found, in fact, was this dose-type effect so that the more music they did, the better they did in school. So the very thing that parents might try to delimit uh, for their children is the thing that's actually helping them do better in school. Mm. And it's not just about the grades. There's a whole bunch of other things that are involved here. There's brain uh, brain development and neurological function and plasticity because music affects the brain changes that positively impact other areas of student understanding, such as in understanding mathematical concepts and language acquisition. And, and this is more than mere correlation. This is predictive relationships, the kind of analyses we did, so that the more music-making um, predicts and, and, and affects increased gray matter and structural wow. plasticity in the auditory cortex. And these are dozens of studies um, over hundreds, hundreds of studies uh, since 1995, when this kind of research started, looking at FMRIs, active MRIs, looking at the way that the brain is actually working. So, uh, so we can say that instrumental music training in childhood and early adolescence has been found to be directly related to lasting changes in neurological regions, the, the corpus callosum, the superior temporal uh, gyrus, the middle temporal gyrus, and the Heschel's gyrus. Which is in the auditory cortex, right? And and then all of this is tied into uh, something else called executive function development, uh, which has to do with controlling over expressive behaviors and updating cognitive and and kinesthetic actions, and the way that we recall uh, and think from working memory, and the way that we're able to shift between mental and physical tasks. So you know, executive functions are also impacted by this kind of musical brain development, as well as socio-emotional and socio-personal well-being, um, like, for example, enhancing the school climate and social interactions. Kids, kids who are involved in music have a great time. They feel safe. They feel secure. They're a part of something that is wonderful in their in their lives and in their schooling. And it leads to positive academic and disciplinary school climates related to academic achievement and lower school dropouts as well. I love that. I love yeah, that, yeah.
1: And, and and I think the one key term that we have to re- really keep in mind there is what you said with executive functioning, because that is really what bridges uh, how we apply those skills in music to every other area that you're talking of right now. And Correct. you know, before we just had you joining us here on the show, I was talking about you know when you choose a favorite song, are you really the one choosing, or does the music in a way choose you? Because I've often believed that our personalities are the 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 dictating factor when it comes to choosing music that we like as individuals. But what you're saying, and maybe this is my takeaway, but it seems like this relationship is far more symbiotic in in, in nature, with music actually helping to shape uh, the very people that we end up becoming.
2: Oh, yes. It's a very complex relationship, and that that's really what's the cool thing about this, mm-hmm. because it also impacts motivation and self-efficacy to do well in all school subjects. So music, through these Uh, Executive functions and, and through the neurological changes that music impacts learning discipline and it also facilitates improvement in mastered, mastery oriented learning experiences. So this is, this is uh, an amazing finding that, that we've actually been able to provide because there's been a gray area over the last 15 years in, in this kind of research since we released the, the other big study we did back in, in uh, 2007. Martin Goon and myself, and, and one of my colleagues who's since retired, Nand Kishore at UBC. But um, we knew back then why instrumental music was so important. And we know that instrumental music instruction can begin on piano and violin in very early years of schooling and private instruction. Um, and uh, brass and woodwinds and other strings and percussion can, can begin in school as early as grade four. So all of this is available. And, and there are even school districts in British Columbia right now, in Richmond School District and Delta School District, they have, have now mandatory grade six, seven band for all kids. So everyone gets it and And kids can continue on with it after that throughout high school, which is a wonderful thing because it 's not only helping them musically and helping them build their um, uh, shall i say their their uh, vocabulary and their library of musical preferences and tastes but it 's also impacting very, very important cognitive and um, executive skills.
1: Fascinating. And, and I yeah. love that uh, it, it all relates back to real instruments. And not to take away from modern-day artists now that use a lot of computer programs to create music, but I guess we're just not at that point right now in time where we have enough research to show that uh, if you're creating, like if you call yourself a music producer and you only work electronically with uh, no real instruments, well, it's a form of music creation, but it might not exactly apply to some of the studies that you've done.
2: Yeah, well, it looks like what the, the things that, that, that are impacting the, the cognitive development and the executive function development have to do with the kinds of skills we learn by engaging with a different symbolic system, mm-hmm. music notation, learning how to read, learning how to uh, attend to, learning how to move your fingers to, learning how to hear that or audiate that music in your mind as you're looking to at those dots on the printed page. So these kinds of uh, skills that one develops in learning how to play an instrument are crucial in brain development and executive development and also the kinds of skills that you learn while you're doing this, then when you uh, apply them to other school subjects and you see that you're succeeding more, it's, it's like a loop, a feedback loop. You, you just are motivated to do it more and more and more because you're seeing yourself not only succeeding in things that you have fun in doing, like music, but you're also succeeding in other aspects of school. Uh, it's, it's fascinating.
1: The success just keeps on building upon layers and layers, really. And it all starts with learning to get involved with music at an early age. And I think that's where I messed out on, uh, Doctor, because I had the chance in high school, grade eight. uh, We had too many students coming into high school all at once. So the counselors asked the students at large, you know, is there anyone that volunteers to do P.E. twice instead of taking band and I stuck my hand up because I knew that was an easy A. I made a critical mistake. So to this day, <laughs> I do not know how to play a single instrument, and it's my great shame.
2: But it's never too late.
1: It is never and, too and late. We, that's a good point.
2: No, it's never too late. And also, we know now from this kind of research oh, since 1995, and the more of it that's coming out, that looks at brain plasticity and, and structure and function of the brain, that when you start to learn how to play a music instrument in these ways, that it has an impact even on adult, adult brains long into the life cycle. So it's never too late to learn how to play. And, you know, I wanted to mention something else. There was a fantastic study done on media in the lives of 8 to 18-year-olds back in 2010 by the Kaiser Foundation. And this is something that, that triggered my interest in looking at this research that we did um, back six, seven years ago when we were actually funded by the federal government to do mm. this work. Um, back in, in, in uh, 2010, 75% of youth owned iPods and MP3 players. TV was still the leader in consumption at four and a half hours a day, video games at one and a quarter hours, and computers at about one and a half hours per day. Now, all of this, of course, has gone way up the past year with COVID conditions. But right. Back then, we learned that youth who spend more time consumed with digital media, self-reported lower grades and lower levels of personal contentment. But kids who were moderate and light media, media users had higher good grades, which is indicative of what we're finding with adolescents who learn to play an instrument and are highly engaged in band, uh, jazz band, orchestra, concert band, in secondary school.
1: That is fascinating stuff. I mean, clearly that just can't be a coincidence. But uh, boy, I I wish we had a little bit more time with you, Doctor. Uh, This was a tremendous conversation. I so do appreciate you giving us some time here tonight to talk about the findings of this
2: study. And I'm sure we're going to get a lot of great reaction in our text message inbox. I appreciate this. Terrific. And don't forget to remind your listeners that they can read the study for free, it's an open access download. And I think you'll provide a link for them if i would like to look into more of this kind of stuff Absolutely. Research.
1: Yes, I'm going to be sharing that on my personal Twitter, and then we will share that on the show's Twitter account as well. Uh, Dr. Gazuisis, thank you so much for giving us some time here tonight.
2: John, my pleasure. Thank you, uh, all the listeners out there across Canada and North America. Good night.
0: This is the Shift Podcast.
1: For now, we're going to be joined by a very special guest. We actually recorded this chat with Danilo Santiago last week, but we're bringing it to you here tonight. Danilo joins us from Brazil, a country where you are likely to find a thousand soccer balls before finding a single hockey puck, and maybe you wouldn't even find one. But this is where Danilo has created an online hockey fan group. In fact, he was kind of made famous thanks to a video produced by the New York Islanders of the NHL, featuring Danilo and his work in creating Brazil's largest hockey fan base. So with that said, Danilo Santiago, welcome to The Shift.
3: Thank you for the invitation.
1: We're very excited to have you, Danilo. Um, I mean, aside from the fact that you're also Brazilian, which is awesome, because we, we love ha- speaking Portuguese on the show whenever we get the chance to learn. But also because, Danilo, uh, there's a very exciting story about you, about hockey and about Brazil. So, I can't explain the story. I want you to explain how things started, and now Brazil is becoming a very, very popular destination for hockey fans.
3: Okay. Uh, can I start off the beginning? Uh, I started my life in hockey. The first contact I have with hockey. Uh, maybe you know the TV show Everybody Hate This hmm. Uh one episode, the Drew, the Chris brother, uh, search for Wayne Gretzky in New York, and uh, sometimes I feel like Drew on my neighborhood, on my city, <laughs> because no one uh, likes talking Brooklyn uh, and this time, and uh, here in São Paulo is very hard meet another. Hockey fans, another another Islanders fans is difficult, but now I I I got I got it, uh, another Islanders fans uh, uh, after I created the New York Islanders Brazil profile.
1: That's amazing. So obviously in Brazil, I would imagine the most popular sport is football, right? Oh, and then sure, sure. and then there's other sports, but hockey. No one really probably knows a lot of hockey. So when you saw that episode of uh, everybody uh, um, uh, on, on the show. Uh, did you start wanting to research hockey, watching some hockey games?
3: Uh, I uh, yes, I'm I'm watching hockey in the ESPN Brazil It's a closed channel, It's not uh, open on antennas, uh, on and on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm started. I'm not started how an Islander. I'm started how an Ranger believe me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I really like basket, basketball since. Uh, I am, was a child. I'm Knicks fan. In my mind, oh, I have to be a Ranger because I'm I'm a Knicks fan. So shame, shame. Uh, <laughs> when I study, I when I study about the history of hockey, uh, about the history of the league, the dynasty. Uh, so much respect with the Rangers, but the Islanders is biggest as 10 Rangers.
1: <laughs> Interesting. So as a, am a Canucks fan myself. So New York Rangers and the Canucks, they were in the Stanley Cup Final in 1994. Game 1994. 7, the last game the New York Rangers ultimately win. and Va-
3: Square Garden. I, that's I, right. The...
1: That's right. And here in Vancouver, we had a riot because you know everyone was so mad and so angry that the Canucks lost so uh, hockey is very passionate here whereas uh, you know in in places like Brazil it's it's just starting which I think is so exciting so you said you created uh, the Brazil fan group for the Islanders there how many people so far have you managed to uh, bring into the group
3: uh we have a whatsapp messenger group we have now 50 members wow. or more uh, 50 members or more Uh, now on your calendars brazil profile and twitter we have uh, probably today we will pass 1,200 follows and uh, i created the profile a few months ago i believe 10 months ago Mm. Uh, i'm I'm proud about this because i can't imagine the islanders will see us and the Amazing, amazing. It's a big thing for our community, NHL Brazil. Eh, So proud about this.
1: Yeah, I think it's something to be proud of, definitely, because you created something that many different people want to be a part of across Brazil and around the world, and I think that's, that's very, very good. You know, I think it's really inspiring. Uh, one thing that we noticed uh, with this story is that the New York Islanders reached out to you and they created this Twitter video detailing your story a little bit. So, what was that like when the New York Islanders wanted to interview you?
3: I was amazed. I can't believe uh, I I can't believe yet because this because it's really hard to to be a hockey fan in South America. The Team's profiles don't don't care about the defense outside the uh, US, Canada, and Europe. Mm. And uh, the Islanders made an amazing team. And uh, I really hope uh, the Islanders is only the first. Uh, We have Vancouver Canucks profile in Brazil, Calgary Flames profiles in Brazil. We have a lot of profiles of teams in Brazil. And... uh, it's really important for us to be. Uh, uh, I, I, can't, I can't explain, sorry. <laughs> I That's <okay>. have to, <laughs> to practice my English, but uh, I can't explain. I, I, <laughs> I'm really happy about this, and uh, I believe the, this is only the beginning. Mm. We can search more, more for not only Islanders fans in Brazil, another fans in Brazil. Around the world, uh, in Africa, in India, maybe, and uh, another, another countries don't have hockey. Like that's this. right,
1: that's right. Yeah, and you know, don't worry. Your English is very, very good so far, so you're doing a very good job. And trust me, my Portuguese is far worse <laughs> than your English, so don't don't feel too <laughs> bad. Now, now, one thing that I uh, that I'm curious about, uh, Danilo, and and maybe Leo can answer this too. How many ice skating rinks? Do you think there are in Brazil? Like if Danilo, if you wanted to go skating, is is it easy to do in Brazil? I don't think so, right?
3: Uh, sometimes in some shopping centers in big cities like in São Paulo, I live in São Paulo. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes in the year have uh, ice ice rinks, but not for hockey. It's for the people skating, uh, pay to skating, but it's really it's, it's really it's not usual this mm-hmm. year. And the salt of the country, uh, Rio Grande do Sul, Santa Catarina, probably be more, I think, but not so much.
1: Right. So, I mean, there's not a lot of... There, obviously, there just isn't a lot of hockey in Brazil. And I and I bring this up because one day, I'm sure, Danilo, you would love to see uh, a Brazilian hockey
3: player in the NHL, right? That would be uh, really amazing. Ah, sure. It was one of the first things I searched, and a lot of Brazilian search. Yeah. Uh, Maybe one Brazilian player don't HL and no, no. Uh, I don't, I don't know if you remember Robin Regeer. That's right. Him uh, and his brother
1: uh, were born in Brazil.
3: Yes, born in Brazil. It's <laughs> <laughs> one thing, but uh, no, he's, he's Canadian. <laughs>
1: that's right. Yeah, which I thought I, I when I found out that Robin Regeer and his brother were born in Brazil, I was like, that is so cool because you just you don't see a lot of that in the NHL. But then
3: yeah.
1: that's right. Technically, they are Canadian, so it, it's it's only like half a point. But uh, you know, since you're an Islanders fan. Uh, is is Matt Barzal your your favorite hockey player right now, or do you have somebody else?
3: No, because when I started to see, I Barzal don't play it yet. Mm. Uh, my favorite uh, Islanders player I, I seen it play. Yes, he is Jaroslav Halak now on Boston Bruins, mm. uh, really here. <laughs> and uh, now on the team, uh, Brock Nelson, Josh Bailey. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I know there's some guys, but but I like uh, Matt Barzal He will be a star someday. I'm so bro- so proud about him.
1: Yeah, Matt Barzal is uh, a. <clears throat> he's from around here. He's from an area called Coquitlam, which is about 30 minutes away from Vancouver. So it's it's a very close to us here. Um, so you, you you like Halak. So obviously you you prefer goaltenders. You like goaltenders.
3: uh, uh I think more is more easy. Uh. Maybe for us in Brazil, it's more easy be be, lo- be like loving the goalies because goalies uh, was in team all the time of the game, mm. and another players no is changing, changing, changing. Uh, it's like football. Football, the player starts on the beginning to the final is uh, usually is your favorite player, and the uh, goalies in hockey. Uh, it's out the game. I I think you understood.
1: Yeah, I I I understand that because uh, yeah, with hockey, every forty seconds people are changing, right? You're you're getting off the ice. Yeah, you're, yes. New players are because, coming uh, on.
3: So when I when I was a Ranger, I buy a Henrik Lundqvist jersey. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Henrik Lundqvist. Well, he's a very very good goaltender. Uh, right yeah, now, of right. course, not playing because of a very strange and uh, dangerous heart condition. So uh, nice. we hope he's going to be okay. But uh, yeah, sure, he's sure. King Henrik, is what they used to call him, right? So he's.
3: Uh, I can't speak. <laughs> I can't
1: talk. To you. <laughs> now, um, I mean, a couple of last questions here. Um, since you've got this exposure from the New York Islanders on Twitter. Have you found that more people are interested in what you've created and, and more people are now trying to follow the Twitter account and be more included?
3: Sure. We exploded. We exploded. Uh, the funds in Log Island, they are amazing. They really made a support for us. And uh, probably we can do this. Uh, the Islanders see us because they the Islanders supporters and the Islanders team is is really together and the... Uh, this is amazing. Uh, now the growing fast. Uh, uh, I meet another Islander friends in another countries. Um, it's more, uh, it's more easy via hockey rink and Germany and mm. uh, France and UK. I meet the the fans of, of this place. I meet a fan in Colombia. It's really amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, we we growing fast. Uh, because the Islanders now, uh, great thing uh, the Islanders made.
1: Yeah, I mean, wh- okay, and then one last question: Leo okay. is a is a Calgary Flames fan. I'm a Vancouver Canucks fan. You're a New York Islanders fan. Which team is the best?
3: <laughs> uh, the team have four Stanley Cups. Sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that hurts. But well said, well said. That's a good answer, uh, Danilo. Eventually, one of these days, I think it would be amazing if you would be able to come to Vancouver, uh, which is where Leo and I are right now, and then the three of us can go and watch a hockey game. Maybe it will have to be a Canucks and Islanders game. Sorry, Leo, not that sorry, but it would be a very, very special to have you here and show you what it's like to watch a little bit of hockey in Canada.
3: Ah, for me, it's, uh, any any hockey game is important. Uh, it's a dream and. I I'm, I'm, will realize this soon.
1: Perfect. All right. Uh, he is Danilo Santiago from Sao Paulo. He is a super fan of the NHL and hockey in Brazil. Danilo, thank you so much for giving us some time here. And uh, I love what you're doing. So please keep it up.
3: Thank you very much, everything. Uh, thank you, John. Thank you, Leonardo, for our invitation.
0: We're here for the night owls and the really early risers. It's The Shift with John Jang.
1: Let's get into the Big Jang Theory.
0: Right or wrong, big or small, John Jang has a take on it all. This is The Big Jang
4: Theory.
1: All right, we learned earlier this week the NHL has signed a blockbuster seven-year deal with ESPN, which means starting 2022, the NHL will be moving back to ESPN after years of sort of loitering with secondary TV options. And I say secondary with as much respect as I can, because NBC... They're still pretty big. But back even 11 years ago, the NHL was not really an in-demand product in the United States. I remember being an intern in Seattle. I had this conversation with Mike Gastineau last week. When I was in Seattle in the spring as an intern at a sports station there, I was was trying to find any sports bar that was playing the NHL playoffs, which were happening at that exact time, and I couldn't find really anything except one place in particular, and then I got kicked out because I wasn't 21, and I didn't realize you needed to be of age when you got into that bar. All of this to say... That the NHL going to ESPN is massive, massive in terms of exposure. It's still the number one sports broadcasting network in the United States and, dare I say, the entire world. And therefore, you have access to so many different resources. We're talking some of the world's greatest sports analysts actively now talking and thinking about hockey on a more consistent basis. We're talking about the fact that ESPN is available in so many different languages and broadcasted in so many different parts of the world. We're talking about how Leonardo learned to appreciate and love the NHL himself. This is massive and we're also getting reports that based on this new 7-year TV deal that ESPN will be paying the NHL anywhere from 2 to 300 million dollars annually throughout the duration of this contract. Now, this is massive when you look at the industry as a whole. Sports teams, franchise owners have not been able to have fans in the stand for over a year now, which means lost ticket revenue, lost merchandise sales, lost Food and drink sales, which actually helps so much. People don't realize it, but the popcorns, the beers, the sodas, and the hot dogs that you buy in the arena make up so much of the actual revenues that sports owners collect by owning teams and owning arenas that without them, a lot of owners haven't seen really any profits over the past year. And they consistently still pay millions and millions of dollars in staff revenue, player revenue. Uh, sorry, player contracts, coaching contracts, all of this matters because COVID-19 has been so difficult. So now the NHL is getting paid anywhere from two to $300 million a year just to sign with the biggest television broadcaster in sports that is available to them. Now, another reason why this is such a great move is because Stephen A. Smith... Perhaps the most popular sports analyst and broadcaster in the country, in the nation, in the
5: continent, gets to do
1: fun things like this. (laughs)
5: Ha ha! You know what time it is, y'all? The NHL is back, and look who's talking about hockey. The NHL is back on ESPN starting the 2021-22 season, and that means one thing and one thing only. We get to hear NHL Tonight music on a consistent basis. With that being said, you know what time it is. I'll give you Stevens A-List of the top five things I know about hockey. Now, this is a miracle because I don't know a damn thing about hockey. I've often said, I don't know a damn thing about hockey hockey, let me be clear. And then my staff reminded me, excuse me, Stephen A., you do know a few things about hockey. So I'm giving you my top five list. Stephen's A-list. Let's go to number five of the top five things I know about hockey. Number five, give it to me. Release the Kraken. Why? For those of you who don't know, Seattle gets an expansion team next year. The Kraken is a mythological sea monster, a giant squid from the 1800s. Listen, you didn't think I know that. That's right. But damn it it's the kraken in seattle which is a beautiful city especially when the sun is shining now they're getting a hockey team you rain so damn much the least it can do is not a beyond expectation to expect that water to turn to ice when it gets a little bit cold the kraken is coming to seattle washington i like that let's go to number four and let's give it to me please barry melrose suit game why because when we watch hockey what would hockey be, especially on ESPN, without seeing the great Barry Melrose with his suit game? Do you see the suits that this brother wears? The ties, the, the swag, the shades, the strut, everything is just so smooth. Look at him, even the shoes, the socks. It's something special, y'all. A Pat Riley wannabe, no doubt. But damn it, he's Barry Melrose. We gotta give him love. Let's go to number three on the list. Steve Levy, Mr. Overtime. Why? Because the man is always on the air when it comes to hockey. Steve Levy caught the longest televised NHL Stanley Cup playoff game and has called three of the four longest televised Stanley Cup playoff games in history. That's who Steve Levy is if it's a game that's going to last three hours, four hours, damn it five hours. Best believe Steve Levy is going to be the man calling that game because it seems like when he's calling the games, they don't want games to end. It's just that simple. Let's go to number two on the list. I couldn't wait for this one. Give it to me. Damian Woody, he's an Islanders fan. Why is he on this list? You know why? Because he admitted he's an Islanders fan, even though he's a champion in the National Football League. And you know something else? Damian Woody's got going on when it comes to him, his moves, his dance game. You don't believe me? Check him out on TikTok. Look at the the big boy right there, jamming. Go ahead. Oh, my Lord. I think he could have had a better wardrobe while doing this. Typical to fashion with Damian Woody. Doesn't want to wear a tie. Shirt's usually wrinkled. His suit game is a bit suspect. Could be working with Barry Melrose just a little bit. But I'm going to give him love because he's with the kids. And y'all know Stevie ain't love the kids. He sure does. Let's go to number one on the list. Give it to me right here. The P- black why because i tried to tell y'all excuse me the only thing i know about hockey truly know about hockey is the puck is black i do know that and like Laszlo holmes aka chance the rapper said on saturday night live as they say in hockey let's do that hockey <laughs> that's it that's steven's a list the top five things i know about hockey ain't bad y'all ain't bad For somebody who doesn't know hockey, don't want to know hockey, all because it's too damn cold at the rinks where hockey takes place in the National Hockey League. Only thing I got against the sport is the fact that it's too damn cold.
1: It is pretty cold in those arenas, but Stephen A. Smith will learn. That's why you got to bundle up and then wear the jersey outside of the jacket or on top of the sweater. You're going to learn, Stephen A. You still got time. That four-minute rant did more for the NHL than the NHL did for itself in four years. That is the Big Jang Theory.
0: Right or wrong, big or small, John Jang has a take on it all. This is the Big Jang Theory. Weekend is here, and we're not going anywhere. It's The Shift with John Jang.
1: For now, since we're talking about music, it's only fitting we bring in our friend Roberto. Yeah, there he is. Roberto loves, loves music. But I think that's self-explanatory. Are you okay with the color blue?
6: As a matter of fact, I'm wearing a blue t-shirt. So.
1: That's right. Yeah. It writes. It reads Valapariso.
6: Valparaiso. Valparaiso yeah, in Chile, just, uh, North Chile. Yeah, Valpo. To you know, if you're intimate enough, you just say Valpo. Valpo.
1: Valpo. Valpo. <laughs> Valpo. I didn't but, know that. I didn't yeah, know that. So I, you know. obviously, you like the color blue.
6: Yeah. Even though Ooh, you're a, the warmest color. Even yes. though you are
1: a Calgary Flames fan, you love the color blue. Yeah, but
6: the Yankees are blue, so... Okay,
1: okay. fair enough. Uh, yes, All right. okay. And the Mavericks,
6: and the Cowboys.
1: All right, okay, well, cool. said. well said. Maybe Calgary as the Flames and the Red is the outlier. Are you okay with the color blue? This might be the simplest are you okay question you've ever heard, but are you okay with it? For me, I'm also wearing blue. It's a navy blue sweater. I feel like blue... Uh, it, it works with my skin tone, if that makes any sense, right? Like, as a Korean-Canadian, uh, there are tones that I know work better for my complexion, so to speak, and I find that navy blue accentuates my stupid face. So at 877 9898 are you okay with the color blue? Well, apparently,
0: there's a brand new blue. So if you haven't heard, the first new blue pigment discovered in over 200 years was created by a team of chemists at Oregon State University. This beautiful new color named Yemen Blue is now available to purchase at the price of almost $200 per 1.3 ounces of pigment. This is actually super cool because artists like myself have a new color to play with, and Yemen Blue can be used for energy saving coatings that reflect infrared radiation.
1: This is really fascinating. So uh, first of all, I didn't know that we had stopped discovering new shades of colors, and specifically that it had been over 200 years since anybody discovered a new shade of blue. But here it is, a brand new shade called Yemen Blue. And if you're trying to give that a Google because you want to see what it looks like, Yemen is spelt Y as in yo-yo, y I, as in investigator, like I'm terrible with this, this military language stuff. Uh, y, I, N, like night. Oh, no, that's terrible. N, like nano. There we go. M, like macho. That also doesn't work. Like, uh, like money. There you go. And then N again, like nano. So Yemen blue. I know I made that totally confusing for you. Just Google Yemen Blue to the best you can. Google auto search will probably help you out. It's a nice shade of blue. It's similar and very close to what I would call like royal blue or ultramarine blue, but apparently a brand new pigment. And that, again, is very fascinating to me. Perhaps this is deserves further discussion on the show at some point over the next couple of weeks where we talk about how there seems to be a shortage of new colors. Why is that? I mean, if somebody can just all of a sudden discover Yemen blue, where is Yemen red? Where is Yemen yellow, green, or whatever? I didn't pay attention a lot when I was in art class, so this might explain why I don't understand some of the mechanics behind all of this. I just thought it's really really interesting that we have found a brand new blue. Roberto. His favorite color by the way, Roberto, it's orange. Yeah. Bet you didn't see that one coming. Are you okay with Ryan Reynolds?
6: Vance Reynolds. Yeah, okay. Ah, uh, he's a good actor. I mean, I I mean, I don't know about his personal life. Don't care to know, but uh, yeah, his his work, his career is pretty okay. Uh yeah. So um, I have nothing bad right to say about the guy.
1: I yeah, I'm with you. Like, it's hard to find any reason why somebody would dislike Ryan Reynolds, right? Because he helps out so many different charities. Him and his wife Blake Lively, I should mention, uh, they they go the extra mile to help out with so many different causes. They raise awareness to great social issues. They routinely help out those that might just reach out to them on social media, needing help with just any old thing. Like, they are down-to-earth good people. I think most of us can agree to that. The only thing is, there's been a lot of Ryan Reynolds over the past number of months. And there is something called oversaturation, you know? Maybe you are just a little too popular, and it gets to the point where I can't get away from Ryan Reynolds which may not be a bad thing. Maybe I'm just being picky. Are you okay with Ryan Reynolds? Well, you might remember there was a popular tweet from Super Bowl Sunday by the Ottawa Public Health account. Ryan takes us into an interesting story here.
0: Hello, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Most of you may know me from that episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. But what you likely don't know is that I often go by another name, Bruce. No, not the musician. No, not that one either. Um, no, I'm talking about Bruce from that Ottawa Public Health Super Bowl tweet. The Bruce who forgot to include the winning team name and the logo, that Bruce. Yes, that's me. And yes, I occasionally tweet from Ottawa Public Health. Why? Everybody does. <laughs> Look about the Super Bowl in my defense. These days, I'm just, I'm so busy. Okay, so just so back off right? On Super Bowl Sunday, I just, I forgot. And well, there's nothing I can do about that tweet now, there is something else I can do. Or, rather, something we all can do. We can do this. And we will do this. Steady as she goes, Ottawa. Steady as she goes.
1: Alright, that is... Ah, uh, Nice and classy jazz music, I guess. Uh, that's Ryan Reynolds. Now, obviously, he partnered up yet again with the Ottawa Public Health. And for those that don't know the backstory, so on Super Bowl Sunday, after the winner was already determined, the Ottawa Public Health Twitter account came out with this viral tweet, which actually was completely orchestrated. But they made it engineered in the sense that it looked like somebody in charge of their social media accounts was supposed to make a tweet where they congratulate uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for winning the Super Bowl. But instead, what came out was a placeholder where it said, Bruce, please replace this generic message with the name of the winning team, et cetera, et cetera. It was a social experiment just to create awareness on what the Ottawa Public Health is trying to, uh, first of all, instruct the the public at large to always double-check sources and always know and fact-check any kind of statement that you read online, et cetera, et cetera. And now they've clearly partnered up with Ryan Reynolds to try and, again, f- reinforce the message of trusting viable, verified sources online, and also, you know, wear a mask, wash your hands, exercise social distancing, and all of that. At the end of the day, it's another good cause for Ryan Reynolds. But, and I hate, like, look, he's from Vancouver. Obviously, we're in Vancouver. This might be sacrilegious to some. I just feel like there's too much Ryan Reynolds going on. I feel like there's just a little bit too much. Maybe it's just me. I enjoy Deadpool. I enjoy a lot of his other films. I just... Kind of want to go back to Ryan Reynolds being an actor and not so much of like Ryan Reynolds in every corner of life nowadays. That's it. 877 Derek says Deadpool was the most amazing movie of all time. Not arguing with that. Just maybe too much Ryan? Question mark. Let's connect with Rose Marie and Kamloops who's calling in. Rose Marie, welcome to The Shift.
4: Hi, John. It's my first time calling.
1: Oh, excellent. We've got a first-time caller. Thank you so much, (laughs) Rosemary.
4: Oh, thank you. I wanted to share two songs because I'm a complex person with a complex life. Okay. So the first one is um, an instrumental from the movie The Deer Hunter. Ah. Did you ever see that? I don't think
1: I did, but I'm going to give that a Google here.
4: It's a Michael Cimino
6: film with Robert De Niro and Christopher Walken. Meryl
4: Streep. uh,
6: Yeah, I I think the the song she's referring to is called uh, Cavatina.
4: Yes, Yes, Cavatina. Classic music. It's a haunting, beautiful guitar piece that runs through the movie, but the part that is the most impacting for me is after the traumatic experience he has with two friends that he helps (sighs) in the war. He comes home, goes to his room, sits down, and I so relate to that because Mm. I had gone through quite a bit of trauma in my childhood, and I know what it feels like to be the helper right? and having to be strong. And then he finally is able, you can just see it in his body, because, you know, he's such a good actor, and and just the way he breathes and then looks down, and I just started sobbing. I was sobbing and sobbing, and it just, you know, it, it, I'll never forget it. it. The music was coursing through me as I was also watching the uh, the character Michael. Right. Because I so related to him. And um, that's one of the pieces that, you know, always helps me. Remember what it feels like.
1: Right. Okay. That's a, that's a right. great experience. I mean, it's 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 not for the happiest of reasons, but that's okay because music is supposed to relate to all facets of your life. And if it meant well, for I, you, yeah, for that,
4: I'm yeah. very musical, and that yeah. that was, it's really cathartic. When you can do that. It just yeah. made me sob. And I heard, because I didn't see that movie in the theater, but I heard that grown men who had been through the war were mm. sobbing in the movie. Or yeah. they went to the bathroom and sobbed. That's how powerful that movie is to to your feelings.
1: Fair, okay. And what was your second song here, Rosemary?
4: The second song is um, the... Queen's oh. and, uh, and Queens song, uh, We Are the Champions.
1: Ah, great song. Because, More of a victory yeah. song, that one.
4: I know. And also, you mentioned the word indomitable. Yeah. And amazingly enough, I call my spirit your indomitable spirit. Mm. I've called that for a long time. And sometimes I'll just write myself a card saying, from your indomitable spirit. Because I love that. I've had so many experiences that have been extremely challenging, oh, and uh, you know, I sometimes there's nobody that you can really talk to but your own spirit. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and and just even going through COVID because I have a weakened immune system, I feel like that. That you know, now I've I've so far I've made it, and that's you know. That's my spirit being my champion.
1: Absolutely. I I love that. And it's a great reminder to all of us that uh, even when times are tough, the one person we can count on always being there is ourselves, right? Yes. And,
4: you know, we can also reach out to some others, but absolutely, my spirit um, is the one that I, I just love. And I count on, I really count on and I, I allow myself to do the first part, that other song, you, you have to you because know, I'm very sensitive mm. you have to allow yourself to express and uh, feel the, the feelings whether they're sad or angry you have to do, you have to allow that and go through that phase and then the next part is getting up and you know, re- recouping and uh, recovering and I love becoming that. S- strong again.
1: I agree because life is all about balance. You can't have light without the dark, and you can't go up without going down. And I and I think that's such a great message, Rosemary. Thank you so much for giving us a call here tonight. This was this was incredible. I I, I appreciate you so much for our first caller. I thought you were just fantastic.
4: Oh, thank you so much. I really enjoy listening to you.
1: Well, thank you, Rosemarie. I appreciate that. And uh, don't, uh, don't be shy. Give us a call back anytime, okay?
4: Okay. Thank you very much, John.
1: You got it. That is Rosemarie, who I'm going to dub moving forward, the indestructible Rosemary in Kamloops with an incredible story, some two-song selections there, and and great reasons as to why.
0: It's the Shift Podcast.
1: Let's not wait any further, Leo. Let's bring some class and sophistication onto the show. Another edition of Learning Portuguese.
0: Hola, Shift Heads. It's time to learn Portuguese with Leonardo.
1: Ah, easily the most exciting. And most enthralling segment in all talk radio, another edition of Learning Portuguese with Uncle Leo. So first of all, Leo, seems like you're getting a lot of support in our text message inbox from listeners who are sad to hear that you won't be with us for much longer, but... March 26th is still, you know, a ways away. We still got a lot more lessons to get through and a final exam coming up on March 26th. So uh, better be ready. I know I'm going to start studying a little bit more uh, tediously if I can. Uh, Let's get into some of these requests here and uh, some things from the show. So earlier tonight, we talked about hockey, the growth of hockey, ESPN's new deal with the NHL, and talking with Danilo Santiago from Brazil, who's created like an NHL fan group for Brazilian fans. So... How do we say, it's hockey night in Canada, and it's hockey night in Brazil?
6: É noite de hockey no Canadá, or or é noite de hockey no Brasil.
1: All right. And the Brazil version was uh, requested by Catherine in Surrey, so let's try that again. É noite de hockey.
6: Hockey. Okay. Yeah, don't pronounce the H. Okay.
1: É noite de
6: hockey hockey no Canadá. No Canadá, or or
1: no Brasil. Yeah. Okay.
6: O, or or in portuguese oh okay let's go
1: fair enough and all say right. it like this you're like the official announcer for this program
6: oh like if it's like okay
1: yeah
6: all right and noite de hockey no brasil Oh, there you ah, go. Can All right to that's the noise. Oh, turn on to maple leaves okay so spread out a little bit
1: Yeah that's a good point <laughs> okay. All right And then uh, of course uh, we want to do a little weekend vibe segment on the show We tried it for the first time tonight I thought it turned out okay next time we'll have some applause ready but how do we say let's celebrate. You know, let's have a good time.
6: Yeah, vamos celebrar.
1: Vamos celebrar. <laughs> ah, that one, I, easy. That's easy. 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 Nice. Nice How to have you? a freebie every yeah. now and then. Vamos celebrar. Era okay. Boy. All right. Boy. Uh, we were talking about, of course, the theme song, the soundtrack of your life. If you could choose one or several, what would it be? And therefore... How do we say I love this song? You know, this song is my favorite. It's my jam. I love this song.
6: Oh man, it's one more stuck in
1: Eu amo... Eu amo... Essa canção. Essa canção. Yes. Eu amo wow. essa canção, i Now say
6: passionately, eu amo essa canção. Eu amo essa canção. <laughs> good job. Nah, there
1: you go. I'm getting better. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting better. Now, if you had to choose one particular genre of music to say that it would be your soundtrack, how would you say something like, my life is a rock album?
6: Uh, minha vida é um álbum de rock.
1: Okay. <laughs> minha vida... Minha o... vida... Oh, minha, minha, minha vida... vida no. Minha vida...
6: Yes. Minha vida é um álbum de rock.
1: é álbum de rock.
6: É um, é um álbum... Oh, my goodness. <laughs>
1: é o álbum... Yes. De rock. De rock. Yes. This is so complicated. <laughs> it
6: is. I é didn't think it was... a... Yes,
1: go, 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 go Minya vita è album. Jayhawk.
6: hawk It seems like you're doing some beatbox right there. <laughs> a
1: little bit. <laughs> like if you just like, you know, did a couple of different variations, you would have the number one hit song for dubstep radio oh, right now. Yeah. yeah,
6: that's good work, man.
1: Oh, tr- that was tricky. That, that might be on the final exam. Uh, okay, moving on. We learned, as uh, we went through the REOKs this evening, that a brand new shade of blue has been invented. The first shade of blue in 200 plus years. That's exciting. So, how do we say, my favorite color
6: is blue? Minha cor favorita é azul.
1: Minha cor favorita é azul.
6: Yeah, there you go. Oh, a plus a, for you. like uh, Azul yeah, right is away. blue, huh? Yeah.
1: Azul. Uh, yeah. That's, a, that's a good... Variation of the word blue. I like that. Because yeah. you know in French it's just bleu.
6: Bleu, yeah. Bleu. Yeah, and you know, like four letters too, so yeah.
1: Minha guess, uh, cor favorita, minha cor é azul. favorita
6: é azul. Yes.
1: Now just as a bonus, how do you say uh green?
6: Veg. Veg? Yes, veg
1: you got to be careful with how you say that on the radio.
6: Yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) Verde. Yes. Yes. It's the same for Spanish. In Portuguese, we say verde. In Espanhol, we say verde.
1: Verde. Yeah. Okay. All right. It'd be easier
6: for you to pronounce the Spanish version, but the spelling is the same.
1: Okay. All right. we got some listener requests coming in. This one from Brian Head, who emailed us earlier with this one, Uh, wants to know how you say vaccine rollout.
6: Yeah, we said it about a month ago, but we can say it again because of the course. pandemic is not over. So, distribuição da vacina. At the time, you did very well, that one. Let's see if you can repeat your... Distribuição? Distribuição. <laughs> Why are you laughing so much, man? I'm learning here. I don't know, because I remember. Because you, 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 the last time we did that, you did, like, right off the bat. So you- okay, well, I'm rusty. <laughs>
1: okay. Distribuição distribuição <laughs> <Distribucio>. distribuição distribuição <laughs> da ok this is disconcerting when you when the teacher is hilariously like rolling on the floor Killing <laughs> himself because the student is tra- This is not good for a student.
6: I'll try to compose myself. Distribuição da vacina.
1: Da vacina. Era boy. Okay. Hard wow. To work. Okay. All Don't right. take
6: it personal.
1: Oh, this it's is super personal now. All right. The 26 can't come fast. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. I would never say that. Uh, Steve requested this one, Leo. He wants to know how you would say, like, if you were a football announcer in, in Brazil, he shoots his scores, and which inevitably leads to yelling in a Portuguese broadcast. So, how do you, how would you say this?
6: Yeah, look, so there are like, they uh, tell has been uh, broadcasted like, in the ESPN version, like ESPN Brazil, for years. Right. And, uh, I've seen their broadcasts. Like, if you're if you're going to translate that literally, he shoots his scores. You would say "ele chuta marca," but but nobody says it. Nobody says that. It's it's the same yelling, the go the go yelling that you hear on a, on a soccer broadcast. Mm. They yell for hockey too. So Connor McDavid goes there and he scores. They're gonna yell like as if it was in a soccer game.
1: Goal!
6: <laughs> the- it's go going make day. day at the yeah. end. So just, just yell, go.
1: Okay. Oh! It's just going. That's all right. That's
6: pretty much it. That's Fair what enough. Hear. You
1: just need to take a really deep breath before you try that, right? Because you yeah. want to extend it.
6: Yeah, they yeah. extend it.
1: All right. Uh, we got this one from Daryl, uh, who upon learning that Leo is going to move into a different hour, a different time slot on this station, said, Leo, how would you say this? Although he didn't think he would ever say it. Take this job and shove it.
6: I wrote here for you. I'm not going to say the final word because... Censored. Yeah, yeah. censored. Yeah, it's censored. It would be censored. But I can... You would say, Pegue esse emprego e enfim... I'm not going to say the final word. Okay. It's, okay, a bad word.
1: Pegue esse emprego
6: e enfim... If you want to know which word it is, Google you do it. Some, go go, go you know. googling. I, I can't tell, Joan, off the air. I can't say that. Like it's and, and actually, in the Portuguese, there's no other expression. That's, that's oh wow. Infino. That's that's it. That, that's, that's it. That's the expression. But it's you know, it's uh foul language.
1: Yes. This is a family friendly show. Yes. Yes. Um, it's in fact the number one late night talk show in Canada for children aged two months old. This is. Completely factual. Completely factual. We are immensely popular with two-month-old babies. All right. uh, Last request here from listeners. Uh, This one's very sweet. I will miss the sound of your voice, Leo. I will miss the sound of your voice.
6: Sentirei falta da sua voz, Leo.
1: Sentirei falta da sua voz, Leo.
6: And avoid John. Oh, okay. That's nice. Great. In the intonation, too.
1: Well, you know, I, I guess what we can learn here is that I am getting better. And just as I'm starting to get better, you're leaving the show. Yeah. Well,
6: that's usually that's kind of how it goes Life. Yeah. Life in a chill.
1: Hey, hey, <laughs> w- when you're at the top, it's time to walk away, right? Yeah. That's, that's the way you got to do it. That's the yeah, way you got to do it. All right. Uh, another great edition of Learning Portuguese here with
0: Uncle Leo.